Hi, I'm Melody Hilton. And I'm Joel Hilton. And I'm Katie Stansfield. And today we're going to try to get through all three of our questions. Last episode, we only got through one, <laughs> but we had a lot to say on it. So um, I have a feeling that uh, Dr. Melody, Mama Melody, will have a lot to say about this first question um, because it's right up her alley. But um, first, do you have any opening remarks? Anybody have anything to say before we jump right in? Yeah. Nobody ever does, but I feel like I need to give you the opportunity. <laughs> nothing quippy, nothing like no jokes. No. We're, oh. we're, we have to warm ourselves up a little bit, I think. I've learned to stay out of Star Wars and Star Trek references on this podcast because I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but, but it made some of you laugh out there, maybe scream. She doesn't know what she's talking about, but... Um, so we'll see. Well, these two have nothing to add, so we'll get right into it. <laughs> All right. Well, question number one today is, how can I generate value wherever I go? All right, yeah, here I, you go. I, oh, here I am. Okay. <laughs> um, value is very important because it shows the worth of something or someone. And so every decision I make, every action that I take has the ability to add value or distract value, take away value. And so really our goal is God so loved the world that we should carry that heart as well so that wherever we go, whoever we're with, that we recognize we do have the, uh, the power and the ability to add value. And so I think one of the first ways that we are able to do that is to look at the intrinsic worth in a person. Mm -hmm. Every single person holds treasure. God chose us in him before the foundations of the world. Our life is not a mistake. God created us. He's ordained us. He's purposed us. And so whether a person is a believer or not, they hold intrinsic worth. And there is a treasure. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance, right? Mm -hmm. So there's this treasure that's on the inside of them. And so if I can look past the external and see that treasure, uh, you know, treasure seekers go sailing or whatever, it's like, we're going to go dig for some treasure. And, you know, sometimes that takes effort. If we're really going after something of value, we have to put some effort and energy and be very intentional about that. So when I look at a person, I have to be very intentional in my thought process to say, they hold a treasure, they hold value. How can I dig for that? How can I find that? How can I discover that? Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that deals with so much potential. Every person carries potential. And if we can see their value and speak into that and generate value in their life, and they can begin to get a glimpse of the potential that they hold, it can begin to dismantle fear so that they possibly would begin to make decisions that would literally activate the potential inside of them rather than living in fear or what has been spoken over them, you know, or the experiences of their life. Now, I would say the majority of people probably don't think in those terms, how can I generate value? And see, that's a key. Where, wherever mm -hmm. I go. So how does someone get that mentality? Where does that come from? I think it's a choice you make. Actually, I, I'm... Um, 
in this process of certi certification in, in a science of axiogenics, and it's the science of value. So it's not, it's very much a spiritual thing, and that's why it's a scientifically proven thing, mm -hmm. is that every person holds value. And so one of the key questions that you ask yourself to align yourself with the science of value is what decision can I make? What action can I take at this moment? Right now, right now at this moment, what decision can I make? What action can I take to generate the greatest net value? And if we would just ask ourselves that question in every situation we're in, you know, here right now we're on a podcast, how can we add value to the people listening? Mm -hmm. You know, you're at home with your kids right now at this moment. We're, okay, there's been a meltdown with one of my kids. <laughs> At this moment, what decision can I make? What action can I take to generate the greatest net value? And so if that becomes a part of our automatic way of thinking and we apply that question, actually in axiogenics, they call it the central question. If we would apply that central question to every aspect uh, of our life, we would get out of, because the moment you ask yourself a question, it gets out of the emotive realm into the cognitive realm. So I start thinking mm -hmm. and saying, okay, what can I do? And so if we can develop that habit, then we will have the ability to create a greater net value in whatever situation we're in. Now, I have a question. So um, we're talking in terms of adding or taking away value but value is inherently fixed. Is that correct? So we're all, as a human being, our internal, our intrinsic value is fixed at well, see, 100% valuable. Uh, and I believe true value is the thoughts and the ways of heaven. Okay, God is the creator of all things. So in other and, words, understanding that every person was made in the image and likeness of God. Yes. Exactly. So when you say, or when the question says generate value, is that or I'm mining it out of people? Is that what you're saying? No. What I'm saying and what I'm doing holds the power to generate value. So, but generate, not meaning adding to it because it's already 100% fixed, but it's kind of like stirring it up or yes. um, seeing it's, it, okay, recognizing let's, it. Let's do it in spiritual terms. How do we bring heaven to earth? How do we take the thoughts of God and release his thoughts through what I say and what I do? Release his ways. Because uh, see, a lot of times we recognize that the word of God is absolutely absolute truth, mm -hmm. correct? And the fact is we can look at absolute truth in the word of God, but have our own subjective way of viewing that truth. Mm -hmm. That's why we have different opinions. There's different denominations. People in the body of Christ are divided because everyone has their subjective views on objective truth. Mm -hmm. And uh, But the fact is, if I stop and I inquire of the Lord mm -hmm. and say, what decision can I make? And I'm mixing axiogenics with yeah. spiritual things, which is how I see everything. And um, so if I can take the thoughts and ways of heaven, and how can I be a conduit of that? Mm -hmm. And what is the core thought of our father? I love the world. Mm -hmm. 
He loved us when we were sinners. He loved us when we were enemies. So when I'm in a situation, no matter what that situation is in my life, if I can view things through the Father's heart of love, through his standard of value, through his standard of worth of every single person on the planet, I will become a value generator because now I'm not leaning on my experiential reality, my family of origin. You know, I'm not leaning upon Melody's opinion or Melody's triggers or Melody's battles or struggles. No, I'm looking at it through the eyes of heaven and responding from heaven's perspective, not Melody's subjective truth. And the more I do that, the more his truth will become my truth. Our world worships our truth, right? Yeah. This is my truth, so that makes it a reality. No, it doesn't. You know, so the more my truth can align with his truth, mm-hmm. the more I'll be able to automatically generate value in my world. So when we stated that you'd have something to say about this, <laughs> that was verified. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, and I could say so much more on that. <laughs> But so like in Ephesians, Paul prays, he prays that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened right. to the hope of their calling in Christ Jesus. So they, they would have revelation of yes. their access to heaven, of their ability to pull heaven to earth. And so in those terms saying, uh, when we're talking about generating value, it's like we're praying that our eyes would be enlightened to the value that someone holds. And because because it's been awakened in our awareness, now I can kind of feed into it. I can place a demand Correct. on it. I can speak to that value. I can pull that value up in a person. Is that does that seem? I think correct? that's great. Okay. That's a great way <laughs> of saying it. And I think no matter what words we give to it or what language we give to it, it becomes a, a way of thinking. Mm-hmm. So that our knee jerk reaction isn't, man, that person is a jerk. No, or I can't stand that person. They irritate me. Okay, that person holds value. Yeah. What is the prophetic about anyway? It's about edification. It's about exhortation. It's about comfort. Mm-hmm. So if we're going to be prophetic, hearing the voice of God, then we're going to hear it through his grid of value, his grid of true reality. So if I'm going to be a prophetic individual, I have to connect with the heart of, of the Father. Mm-hmm. And, and I believe that we can inquire of the Lord and the Lord will reveal to us the treasure people hold, will reveal to us someone's potential. We don't have the power to make that person respond to that, but we can still, in our hearts, in our minds, view them in that way. And I think people can feel it when it's genuine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one thing I've been surprised over, over and over again is the number of times someone will come not just to me, but to us in our culture and just say, um, you have no idea what you did for my life or you have no idea the impact that you made. And and in my mind, I'm thinking of these simple interactions that I've had with this person that were just very, to me, very basic, that, that were just positive, that, that we're affirming, that we're encouraging. And it just makes me recognize every time I hear someone say that, how the culture of our world does not <laughs> lean on value and lean on um, seeing someone as worthy of 
treating as valuable. And so it just reminds me over and over again that this, this is not inherent to our, um, our world culture, but it is inherent to the culture of the kingdom. Um, the Bible says in many, many different ways, encourage one another and build each other up. Yes. Um, and I think just as we do life, um, with people, whether it's someone that we are in relationship with or just someone that we come across in the world, um, seeing them like God sees them. And that can sound really lofty, but I think it can come down to the very basics of encourage one another, Mm -hmm. be um, a positive influence. I think about you know, the, the server at a restaurant or, mm-hmm. um, any person that I encounter in my day, looking at mm-hmm. them, smiling at them, um, you know, how can I say something encouraging to them, whether it's a compliment or have a great day? Like these things seem so elementary, but I do think that, that it is, a has become a lost art mm-hmm. almost in our world um, to just actually see a person um, and to lift them up in every encounter that we have with them. And again, I've just recognized the impact that those little things can really have on a person. So not taking that for granted and also recognizing that um, like seeing how much we're actually doing that we might think it in our mind, but how much am I actually externally um adding to a person's day, to a person's life, just in my exchanges with them. And all that was sourced inside of you because of how you view them. And so if we deal with our own soul and align it with the ways of heaven, then what happens? We do it automatically. We're not trying hard. We develop that art that you talked yeah. about. You know, what, what is a master? A master has done something so much mm-hmm. that that's just what they do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah this is really great. I'm enjoying <laughs> this. <laughs> so maybe then the question is as Oh, we I come- had something to offer. Oh, I'm feeling ahead. a little devalued right okay. now. <laughs> That's why I looked what at you. What do you have to offer, Joe? <laughs> we know you have much value to add. Obviously, I looked at this question quite differently now. <laughs> That's usually what I say. <laughs> On brand for us. So how how can we generate value wherever we go? I think the first thing that you have to do is you have to shift your mentality mm-hmm. from being a consumer to being a contributor. Yeah. Mm, so, so some good. questions that you have to a- that you should ask is what's in it for me Mm -hmm. or how can I invest? Yeah. What can I give? What can I get from this or what can I give? Right. What are the benefits or how can I be a benefit? So whenever you uh, come into a new situation, you have to shift from, okay, what's in it for me? Um, What can I get out of it versus how can I be in it? How can I invest myself? Uh, I, I, Actually, the question is, how can I generate value? And and to me, it felt like, how can I pull value out of people? But I think sometimes you have to know the value that you carry first. Yes. Do you want to add well, to that? Well, or? what I'll say, the, fir- the highest value is the value of a person. Mm-hmm. But then the next value, which is, ju- is so valuable, is what you bring to the table. It's your extrinsic expression. Mm-hmm. And when you see the value in the person, you're going to begin to value what they do bring to the table. No, so- I'm even talking about if you don't see the value that you hold, right? right, that you have something to offer, 
you, you can't give something that you don't have. Now, I'm not saying that you don't have something. I'm just saying if you don't recognize it, you won't offer right. it. Well, and often if you don't recognize it, not only will you not offer it, but you will be taking because you're trying to get it for yourself. When in reality, you already are valuable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we as believers actually have a step up above those who don't believe. We can be prophetic. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, right? Yeah, we can, We can through the prophetic, we can actually look past the hard exterior mm-hmm. or the shell of someone and see their true value. Um, because sometimes people don't always like to show it. <laughs> yeah. Because they might be afraid or they're, they're, they, they've been hurt, so they have to have their walls up. But the prophetic can look past all that mm-hmm. and say, right. God, how do you see this person? And when you can identify with that, then you can, if you, if you can't identify someone's value, you'll never be able to mine it or pull it out. Mm-hmm. I think that question that you just said, God, what do you see in this person? Mm-hmm. To me, that question answers this whole question. Mm-hmm. Because if I can um, make that question an instinctual one inside of me, that when I am seeing any person, um, I say, God, what do you see in them? If I just ask that question, mm-hmm. he o- he only sees good in a person. And so whether if I'm if I'm struggling with a person, if I'm having an attitude towards someone um, and I ask that question, it shifts, it shifts everything for me. It shifts my perspective. It shifts my attitude. Um, it allows me the opportunity to push past my limited perspective into his. And mm-hmm. ultimately that's what we want is not just for our emotions to consider a person, but for, um, for the heart of God to be expressed towards that person. You know, the Bible talks about, uh, it was in Samuel with David, it's like, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Mm -hmm. So our propensity, because we live in a fallen world, we live in a natural world, is to look at someone, our fleshly propensity is to make assumptions, to make stereotypes. Yeah. And and we see it in the word of God. And it, what was it, Peter, uh, the, the vision came down, you know, with the sheet, with all the unclean stuff. And uh, three times God said, don't you call unclean what I call yeah. clean. And it took three times for God to speak to Peter. And this is a good guy. <laughs> this is a guy who loved God, you yeah. know. This is a, a guy that saw the resurrected Jesus, and he needed three times from the from the Spirit of God to reveal to him, don't you look at the Gentiles through your subjective thinking, through your opinions. I want you to call clean what I call clean. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to view them as unclean. And it, of course, now we know we here as Gentiles are a part of the body of Christ because of heaven's perspective. Yeah. And so I think we have to get past stereotypes or assumptions or judging people according to the flesh. Yeah, I love that. And I, I really caution myself um, of what names I'm putting on people mm. um, because even Labels. there, God said, don't call unclean what I have called clean. And so I just kind of check myself um, that 
what am what names what labels am i putting on people mm-hmm. and is that a label of heaven um because if it's not then i'm i'm really walking in sin i'm really not walking um the way that god god wants me to towards that person and so if i if i just you know say blatantly like oh that person is a horrible person or whatever the label would be that person is um i don't know what the label would be a, a jerk they're they're a jerk whatever <laughs> Um, just watching what names I'm calling people. My mom was always huge. My my mom, she, like one of us could have probably punched the other one and we would have gotten in trouble. But if you called somebody a name, mm. you were getting in big trouble. Mm-hmm. That was just a really big peeve of hers uh, is we don't call names. Um, and so I think that's that that could be said of the kingdom is, you know, stop name calling. <laughs> and I think we need to stop putting labels on ourselves calling ourselves names that don't align with heaven yeah. either. Because it's well, going to be... Well, there's a principle. What you see in someone, you will pull out of them. Mm-hmm. And so if you see that jerk, you might be really good at bringing that out <laughs> of them. <laughs> <laughs> or if you see something in yourself and that's all you can see, well, that's what you're going to present and that's mm-hmm. what you're going to express to the right. world. Yeah. Yeah. So we got, we actually, uh, we have a friend, Jerome Joseph, you know, that comes and ministers here at times and, and he's a cognitive therapist. And he said, we just, we have to change the label. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he talks a lot about because what you label is how you view something and how you respond to that. So we have to just change some labels Mm -hmm. because labels show how something is to be used Mm -hmm. or how you respond to it. So if you have the wrong label, you are responding to that person in a wrong way because of the label you put on them. But if you label them according to heaven, then you're going to treat them according to that label. Yeah. And that's why you don't say nasty things to your kids. Yeah. (laughs) Because you are going to pull that out of them. Yeah. We're not going to tell our kids they're bad, even if they do something that's bad. Yeah. You know, they're not bad. The behavior was bad. The behavior was bad, but they are not. Mm -hmm. And so the behavioral, it could be unacceptable. There could be consequences to it. But we're we're bringing that correction to them because they are so valuable. We we bring that to them because they they are, you know, in Christ inherently good, you know, and just speak into them their their value. I mean, I love when my grandkids come because I just use the whole day as an opportunity to show them how valuable I think they are. Mm-hmm. You know, and they like it. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, they come home really selfish too. <laughs> well, then I know they go so home you, to a dad. So you build it up, build it up, and I gotta break it down. <laughs> you gotta bring the humility back. No, Listen, I don't. You're puff valuable, them up. but you're not the king of the world. <laughs> it's kind of like you know when, like you guys would say this. Like if you're gonna come home with that attitude, you're not going over to that friend's house. <laughs> It's kind of like, can I say that with grandparents? Yeah. Like, if you're coming home with that attitude. I, I don't spoil them. I don't let them do something they're not supposed to do. Well. You know, I have moral, <laughs> ethical standards. Well, if you're served for all day and then yeah. you come home and then uh, back to reality. <laughs> grandparents' duties. Yeah, they do. <laughs> it's a good balance, I guess. Yeah, because they do hold value and there's places 
places where it showered on them a little bit more than others, but <laughs> but it's it's all good, yeah. But really, one more thing I want to say about this is if we want to reach people, what type, what, how are we going to draw them? Are we going to draw them to us by being critical, judgmental, you know, rude, corrective, whatever it is? You're going to run away from people that carry that attitude. But if people recognize that you genuinely, authentically value them and and see the good in them, you're really building bridges of relationship that's, that can really open up the door that you can bring many into the kingdom, you know, or help people heal that are in the kingdom. And the only way for that to happen is for you to have healing. Yes, exactly. Like you can't be like, I need to value people and I need to truly love them. If you're really broken inside, I'm not saying it's not possible. I'm just saying like you're, you're speaking from a place of healing. And so... I, I don't think that these things that you're talking about are like steps or like this is like there it's has like to be a true change yeah. with inside of you yeah. for this to because it won't be authentic if you're just doing it because it's quote unquote the right thing to do. Right. I mean, I don't think it's an excuse though to be able to say, well, I'm not healed. I've been through so much and I, so I, I can't. I agree with you on that. Yeah. I, I'm just saying like, <laughs> like just so we're clear. <laughs> See, see how this works around here, you know? I just, I don't want people going, well, one day when all of my (laughs) issues are dealt with, then I can be kind to people. No. Yeah, because there are some individuals that have told me, I can't do that because of what happened to me. And I said, well, then you're going to keep yourself stuck forever in what was rather than tapping into the full potential of what God put inside of you. It's like, uh, you know, until you take the lid off the Coke bottle, you'll never drink the Coke. You know, we, we, we have to, you know, remove something, you know, to, to be able to find that treasure. And so we agree that it's, it's it's a little bit of both, right? Yeah. And it's a process. Sure. And so maybe that as you get more healing, you can function this at a greater, more authentic way. So maybe the first step is what decision can I make right now? What action can I take right now to let myself know that I hold value? How can I respond right now to see the value that I hold? And let it start within, because how can I love someone else if I can't love myself? How can I celebrate somebody else uh, if I can't celebrate myself? Because I only can give what I receive. Well, that's what I was saying. Like, you can't give something that you don't have. Right, right. Well, I don't know if this is devil's advocate or not, but... You know, we love because he first. We don't loved allow us. devils right. in this well, in this building. So <laughs> Katie's advocate. Okay. Um, we love because he first loved us, and so the more we recognize that we're loved by him, the more we're going to see the value in ourselves. The more we're going to be able to value others, um, because if you are a believer, then you are loved. Uh, He first loved us. You believe that Jesus loved you so much that he died on the cross for you uh, and that he rose again so that you could have eternal life. That means that you were loved that much. That means you now have the ability to love others with that kind of love. And so I think on our own, if we're only considering our fleshly nature, then this is impossible. But be, or this is a lot of work. Um, 
but because we are in the family of God and and um, it's a result of his love, then he not only says that we can love others, he actually commands us to love others. And so whether we are brand new at learning just how to do this, whether we don't see the value in ourselves yet, I think we, as a believer, this is a direction we always have to be pushing into because it's the greatest commandment to, I think to do it. I think the reason that I was trying to like offer balance with it was because like someone could teach you how to make money mm -hmm. and you can make a lot of money, but you have this thing with inside of you that likes to waste money. Mm -hmm. So it would be gaining it and then losing it, yeah. gaining it and then losing it. Um, and you, you won't be you able <laughs> to um, gain wealth or um, build wealth until that one thing is dealt with. And that's kind of what I'm talking about. As you get more and more healing, yeah. uh, this is going to be more effective. I'm not saying that you can't do these things and it won't uh, make a positive change. I'm just saying like yeah. until some of these things are dealt with, it won't have the full impact that it can have. Right. Yeah. I remember a story of Stephen, you know, my husband, and and he just could not see value in himself for so long. Anytime I gave him a compliment, he'd get angry at me because he was so used to being so devalued growing up. And one day he was standing in front of the mirror. I don't know if he was shaving or whatever he was doing. And he literally had a vision of Jesus on the cross. Mm -hmm. And it was such a reality that it, it, it just like shocked him. It crushed him. His heart mm -hmm. broke. And, uh, and if I'm getting the story correct, uh, Jesus said, I did this for you. Mm. I loved you so much. I did this for you. And that day, at that moment, there was a huge shift in him. Yeah. And so I think it really does go back. If we really, truly can see how much the Father loves us. And, you know, it might be step by step, line upon line, here a little, there a little. But it, if we're making one, putting our foot, one foot in front of the other, one step, you know, to another step, you know, we, if we apply this to our life, we're going to see it build, we're going to see it grow and have a revelation of how loved we really are. And it's not based upon our perfection at all. Yeah. It's, it's based upon who he is. Yeah. Well, I had some practical things for this question. Sure. We'll end with this where we'll move to the next question. Um, practically, how do, you, how do you generate value wherever you go? Number one, we're big around here on this is don't gossip. Mm -hmm. um, it's just never going to generate value. So if you're trying to do that, don't gossip. Um, the old adage, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. I think it's a pretty good rule to live by. Uh, it's going to help you at least not detract value <laughs> wherever you go. Um, I think program yourself towards gratitude and finding the good. Mm. And I think that is a learned habit. It's a learned practice that if every day you purpose to see the good in people, you're going to develop that neural networking. It's going to become habitual to where when you see a person, your automatic thought is to go to the good. Um, so the more you do it, the better you get at it. Uh, I also think common courtesy is, is pretty, it's pretty simple, but um, just prefer others, see them. Um, I think I've mentioned before, my creature comfort would be to go into a grocery store with my earbuds in and a ball cap on and to just get in and get out. But I've made a choice that people are worth more than that. And so even though I don't necessarily want um, 
to be slowed down by people, by human beings. <laughs> um, when I'm out, uh, I just made a choice that that they're worth seeing and smiling at and having pleasant exchanges with. So just sometimes I like go that. in the grocery store and I'll walk down the aisles and I'll be like, Oh, I know that person. Oh yeah. Did they see me. Mm, mm. Mm. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I become a ninja warrior. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, oh, don't lie. You do it too. <laughs> <laughs> Extroverts are like, what are you talking about? I love seeing people. <laughs> Five hours later. <laughs> um, yeah, I think we can stop there. We'll- yeah, and that's really good because those are pragmatic. You know, we put like a vision, a goal, you know, a high bar yeah. to run towards, but you gave very, very practical little steps that'll help us get there. Yeah, I'm, I don't know. I'm I'm a sometimes a fake it till you make it person. I'm like, you know, maybe it's not a thousand percent genuine like me at the grocery store, but I'm like, well, it's a choice I've made. So mm-hmm. <laughs> we're, we're just going to do it. Do it bad till we do it good. There you go. <laughs> All right. We're going to get to question number two today. Are you ready? Yep. We are. All right. Question number two. What are some characteristics I should look for when adding a new team member? I think I would say, what kind of team are we talking about here? This is mm-hmm. one where more information might narrow the, our response. But what did you guys, what thoughts did you have? Well, when I read that question, I just thought of all the times I did it wrong (laughs) and all the times I did it right. And I had a lot more wrong than right. Uh, But I learned from the wrong. But I remember I would add team members because I wanted to impact their life, you know? Yeah. That if they were a part of the team, their lives would be changed. Now, this is in a ministry setting. In in a minute, yeah. And, uh, And so... That that didn't work out real well, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I learned some basic things that are very important, whether it's a team like a ministry team or a marketplace team, or it's just in relationships of, you know, who who becomes a part of my inner circle, as it were, type thing. Mm-hmm. And so one of the first things for me is shared vision and shared values, That's a big deal because if we're not going in the same direction, how can you partner together? How can you work together uh, if we're all going in different directions? We can't do that. And and I remember when Stephen and I got married, we made a decision that the kingdom of God was first. Like the kingdom of God was more important to Stephen than what he wanted. The kingdom of God was more important to me than what I wanted. And so through the last 46 years, we made decisions based upon the kingdom of God, even when... It was maybe uh, a challenge for one or the other, but we supported each other. We've been cheerleaders of each other because the kingdom of God was first. So that standard of shared values and vision is what has allowed us to, for our marriage to grow and develop. And at 46 years, I'm so glad I married this person (laughs) because of that just one key thing and seek first the kingdom, right? Mm -hmm. So that that was the key, shared vision and shared values. I have some others, but you guys Well, you can... said in the beginning, probably the thing that you learned the most from was the bad decisions that you made. Mm-hmm. So when I thought of this question, I thought, I want to answer this question with bad ideas. <laughs> okay, okay, so I have, I have a few of them because, you know, we can <laughs> learn from bad ideas, yeah. right? Uh-huh. So the first one is, this is what you look for. Will they look good in a team photo? <laughs> oh, jeez. 
Okay, because those marketing flyers will be on point. Okay, so that's the first one. All right. The next one is, are they unashamedly bold as an unconscious incompetent? <laughs> like, really look for that. Again, these are anti This is sarcasm, if you haven't figured that one out. Uh, look for, do they have low self-awareness Yet, they are highly critical of others. Oh, that's a good one. That is a good one. Really look for that. They'll be a great team member. Uh, they never make deadlines. Actually, the deadlines are the day that they start the project. Oh, oh I got more. Being on time is 10 minutes late. Oh. These are all fireable uh, <laughs> causes, by the way. This is my favorite. They love to take all the credit when... Minimal effort is given to the task. Oh, and their team members love them for that. Yeah. Love, they love power, but hate responsibility. Ooh. These are things that you need to look for in your new team member. Uh, they have a sense of loyalty only when it benefits them. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Actually, so, these are almost more profound than saying what to look for in a good sense. Now, you're not going to know these things in the interview process, but like, like, like you said, you know, sometimes you don't know until you've made those bad mistakes. Yeah. It, I was thinking about, you know, whenever an NFL coach is fired, uh, it, uh, when they're fired, it's always like if they were a great offensive, well, if they were fired, they weren't a great offensive coach. But if they focus more on the offense, well, their next coach is a defensive-minded coach. If they have this great personality, then they're going to find a boring person. <laughs> if they are young, then they're going to go old. If they were old, they're going to go young. And so sometimes, like, when you're looking for new team members, you might look and say, well, um, they might need to be a little opposite of the person <laughs> I'm not saying that these are great ideas. I'm just telling you, like, uh, um, maybe things you want to look out for. I don't know. This is not John Maxwell. This is Joel yeah. Hilton. <laughs> this no, is how good. to bring on new team, you know, bad ways or like uh, the opposite. How to build a bad team. How to build a bad team, yeah. How to uh, have chaos every day you walk in. These are red flags. Yellow okay, red flags. so now you guys can fix the mess that I made. <laughs> well, you know, and one thing you did say, some of those you don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. And so I think I, I didn't even write this down on my list of what I would uh, choose, but some things you don't know until you actually are working with someone. Yeah. And that's where I think, uh, I think, uh, last week we had a thing on conflict. That's where <laughs> we'll have to learn how do we deal with this conflict because yeah. now we're aware of something that could sabotage the team, which yeah. are all those things that and you just... And that's why they have references, you know. Mm -hmm. I always love when they're like, hey, can you be a reference? I'm not, I'm not <laughs> sure who you are, but <laughs> I'm a pastor, so apparently I'm a good reference. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that kind of goes to what I would say is you look for character and competence, which we talk about as the two pillars of trust, um, but look for their character as a person. So with their references, you know, did they work well with others? Um, did they show up on time? Did they um, 
get things done on their deadlines? Did they, which can speak to competence as well, but you know, are they honest? Did people like them? <laughs> um, those kind of, a, those, those are things to look for. Competence. I just, are they good at their job? And I think a lot of times in the nonprofit space, especially we can look for bodies who can get the thing done eventually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and one thing I've just learned as a, a nonprofit um, organization that we run is sometimes it's better to pay for skill. Um, so depending on what you're looking for, if you're looking for a team member to stay like long-term or to develop, um, that's one thing. If you're looking that you actually just need something done really well, um, we've done it. We had a design job last year, this year, I don't know. And we can do it ourselves and we'd be semi-competent at it. Um, and then we tried to hire someone on Fiverr and that didn't work out. And then we actually <laughs> hired an actual designer who, guess what, did an excellent job. Um, and it, and she did it very well. She did it very quickly. Um, she was wonderful to work with. Um, and so I just, and, but you know what? She cost a designer cost. And so I get it. Not everybody has, you don't have, um, nonprofits especially don't have just expendable um, income that they can just use. But I think depending on the results that you want, sometimes you got to move things around to get those results um, when it comes to certain things. So when you're talking about adding a team member, I just think make sure they've got the skill that you need. Um, Especially I say that in the nonprofit space because sometimes we can... Uh, maybe lower our bar (laughs) in that area. Um, And you have to decide if it's an area that you can develop a person into or if you're looking for someone to be at a certain level. So you'd have to find the person that wants to learn, wants to grow, wants to be challenged. And how do you know that, you know, when you're first adding them to the team? Unless, listen, I'm a big advocate for internships. I think um, like kids when they're coming out of school or just... I, I think pay your interns fairly, um, but I think that is a wonderful way to add people to your team is to give them a, a level of um, responsibility and to see what they do with it. And then from there, decide if this is going to be a good fit for your team. That's good because we've had interns through the years and some of them was like, we got to hire them. We've got to come up with the money some way, somehow, because boy, would they have not only earned their money, but added so much value uh, to us. And then there's other ones. Okay, we'll we'll ride at this internship. Yeah. <laughs> uh, recognizing that they it's not really a, a probably- person we would want on the team necessarily. Yeah. I yeah. mean, they're a great person, but not one yeah. for our team. Yeah. And so you learn that, but- that was through internship, literally working with and someone. And I just think it's really valuable. I think yeah. even the person might not know if they're going to be a good fit for that right. type of work so or true. for that organization. And I think if you can kind of start in that way, um, that that can really help you decide. I know that's not always feasible, but I think it's it's something of value to add. Um, one other thing I would say, you said about having shared vision and values. I think also having a similar language um, because like, you know, the three of us here, um, we have really different ideas about a lot of things, but we speak the same language. And I was thinking, you know, if, if you have a barbecue establishment 
Um, maybe don't hire a vegan to do your marketing campaign. <laughs> like just make sure that you speak a similar language. Not that there's not value in in diversity of opinion or even I expression. I will not stand for this slander of vegans <laughs> any longer. <laughs> hey, one of my best friends is a vegan, so I am not downing vegans. But, um, but you know what I mean? Like you want to make sure you're speaking the same language. Otherwise... Um, even if there's full competency there, you might kind of start leading people in a confusing direction if you don't have that that same expression. And yeah. this isn't always applicable for every situation, but it's okay to have like a probation period. Yeah. You know, have a time of like, hey, is this good for you? Is this good for me? If it is, then we can we can continue. But if not, no harm, no foul kind of thing. We're big on win-win around here. We always look for a win-win relationship. Yeah. Yeah, because we need a team player. We need someone that's going to partner, collaborate. And so do they. Yeah, and they do too. Yeah. That's right. That's what. That's win-win. Yeah. And they need to look good in a team photo. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking from someone who hates having a I photo know. taken. <laughs> you, say, well, you can smile. You smile normally, but in a photo, suddenly the... The I was thinking frozen. we're we're like near due for new photos, and <laughs> that is always quite a feat with Ugh. a bunch of people who don't love that. But yeah. all right, well, are we gonna get to number? Well, three are we today? gonna do a new photo? Because I think I need a forty day fast or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, next year I'd like to get new photos done just so you have. So six, we don't have to use the same one. <laughs> All right, what's the next one? All right, next question is, I feel stuck. Um, can you give me some, some? Oh, I think it's supposed to be practical. I feel stuck. Can you give me some practical tips for breaking free? Sounds right to me. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right, I feel stuck. Well, where do you feel stuck? Well, I'm going to confront one of the greatest fears of every kid that grew up in the late 80s. Oh, <laughs> And that was quicksand. Oh gosh! <laughs> okay, like if you watched any of those movies back then, I think then, that is quicksand, an antiquated fear. Yeah, like quicksand is a real thing. I mean, it's not as scary as what movies made it out to be, but it's it's a real problem, uh, apparently, in the late eighties. But one of the things that you learned from those is like if you find yourself in quicksand, you need to find something to grab a hold of that is secure. Mm-hmm. And then pull yourself out. All That's right. Good. So looking around, what do I know that is firm? Like for Christians, it's the word of God. Yeah. It's firm. It's founded. It's strong. It does not move. Attach yourself to that and then begin to pull yourself out. Uh, now, if you're lucky, a friend was with you and hopefully they didn't fall in it as well, <laughs> but reach out and get help. Right. Yeah. And then they can pull you out. So that's what I had to offer for this one. That's really good. <laughs> the whole kit and caboodle. I love right that there. analogy. It's very good. Yeah. Similarly, I I um, thought you know talk with someone and actually listen. I think sometimes when we're stuck, um, someone tries to speak in, and we have every reason why it won't work and why. Yeah. Um, well, we've tried that. It just well, didn't we work. We kind of talked I'm about not, that. It's like. Um, I'm always burnt out. We'll try something new. No. <laughs> it's impossible. Well. <laughs> well, enjoy your burnout. Yeah. 
But I think that's just it. You have to actually listen. If you want to get out of that stuck place, um, get feedback from people, actually take it to heart um, and do something about it. Change your action. Um, Change something about the way that you're living right now. Mm -hmm. Um, I also had down here, identify the sticking point. Um, I think if you find yourself diverting to certain behavior and it makes you feel stuck. Okay. Can we identify the sticking point? Why do I keep going back to that behavior? Is it simply just a habit or is there a deeper reason? Um, is there a need that's not getting met? And so I'm, I'm reverting to this behavior because I'm not getting the need met. Um, for instance, you know, I'm, my need is is connection with people, with a person, um, but I'm not getting that. And so instead I just scroll on social media for endless hours. Mm. So I feel stuck and I'm not, I'm not accomplishing things in my life um, and I'm wasting time and I never feel like I, I'm getting enough done in the day and I'm scrolling on social media for hours and hours and hours. Okay, so you feel stuck. So what's the sticking point? Well, actually I'm craving connection and I'm not getting that. And so I end up going back to this old pattern. So if you can identify what that is, which I know can be challenging, but I think if you really break something down enough, um, you can you can find that thing, that need that you actually have. Um, and then that gives you the direction to say, okay, well... Um, I'm going to connect with one person this week. I'm going to make the call. I'm going to set the date. I'm going to I'm going to actually share uh, meaningful things and not just stay on that surface level. And then as you begin to do that, start to notice if your sticking point, if 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 that loses some of its <laughs> um, mm-hmm. its stick, and see if things begin to change. That's um, really good and. To feed off of that one, I believe when we break our routine, mm-hmm. uh, we... Hey, that was one of mine. Was it? Yeah. <laughs> wow. It was uh, shake up your routine. Yeah. All right. Because there's something powerful about taking risk. I remember mm-hmm. the first time uh, I was in a church service and like this place was freaking me out, you know, I mean, from <laughs> yeah. where I was getting... I was, I was in there and I remember I lifted my hands because everyone was doing it. And it was this huge risk for me to lift my hands, but I was going to take that risk. And and I did it. And of course, you know, I felt the presence of God. It was beautiful. But it's like I broke something. I got yeah. out. I got out of my head. I got out of my routine. I got out of just how I've been always functioning to step out and do something different to kind of like break the mold of who I thought I was. Mm -hmm. And I saw myself very isolated, very, um, you know, I was a very aggressive person, but I was, uh, I avoided relationships at all costs. And after I gave my life to the Lord, just to be able to step out and risk talking to someone or or being a little bit vulnerable or whatever, yeah. I just began to take those risks and it began to break me out of the mold that I had myself in for 21 years because of all the stuff. And those were some of the first steps after I got saved. And even though... 
I received Jesus, the fact I had so many mental thought patterns that I was stuck in so many ways of thinking and acting Mm -hmm. and believing that I had to take those risks. I had to change my routine. I had to change aspects of my lifestyle so I could experience something greater. Mm -hmm. And uh, that really goes back to the amazing power we have of choice that God has given us. And risk means there are is an element of fear to it, right? Otherwise it wouldn't be a risk. So I have to like confront the fear, take the risk. And there's something about that that is so liberating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there was an old Hillsong United song that went something like, won't you break free, won't you break free and get up and dance? Mm. And going back to those movies again, sometimes you need like a little footloose uh, dancing (laughs) montage, right? Uh, it's kind of like all those old movies. It's like having a dance montage or like a music montage. That's the thing that gets it all joking aside. But sometimes you have to break Mm -hmm. free. You have to do something a little different. You have to break out and express yourself so that there can sometimes bring greater clarity. I know that we learned so much from the movies in the eighties. I don't know if we learn too much from movies now mm-hmm. nowadays, but well, that's not, that's if you like go an back old and watch some of those eighties movies, I think what was I learning? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I watched Goody's uh I wouldn't say recently, but I was like, wow, there's a lot more stuff in this than I didn't realize. I didn't understand it back then, but uh Yeah. You might be my son, but boy, your brain works completely different than mine. You weren't thinking John Travolta? I wasn't thinking anything like that, you know? We got the same routine, but boy, you got you did it a whole lot differently than I did. It was Kevin Bacon, if that's what you were referring to. <laughs> well, Greece. you know, some people might be listening out there and saying, well, oh, they're kidding you. John it Travolta wrong. was a big 80s night, like, you Maybe know. Maybe 70s. I don't know. Yeah. Well,. Maybe I should stay away from these references. Well, the point is <laughs> the you point. need to break free, break free, <laughs> get loose. up and dance. <laughs> Shake up the routine a little bit. So I have one thing practical that is once you get up and take the risk, mm-hmm. you know, you remain consistent. You just keep going after it. So often we'll say, well, I'll try it for a little while. Yeah. And uh, if we really want to break three, free, we got to make some commitments mm-hmm. of what we're going to do and stick to it. It's just like, uh, you know, a diet. And then I reward myself with chocolate cake. Yeah. It's just like that is so that makes total sense to me. That yeah, makes total sense. Careful, makes total you're, sense. You're stepping on some toes here. Okay. <laughs> Those are golden caps right there. Okay. And, you know, it's just like, to me, it's like. You're oh, one that's like, I'm not going to have sugar anymore. And 20 years later, she <laughs> might have like a little taste. Of, like you, you just have an ability to cut things out if you make a decision. Well, in my, it's like, oh my gosh, if, if I don't remain consistent, I feel like I really go backwards. And in a sense you do because, uh, because, well, for me, I have an addictive... So, well, are you my, saying, like, if I eat that chocolate cake that I'll get off my diet? You'd for have me, a greater probably. propensity. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because it's are not just the one piece, possibility? it's the whole cake. Because, <laughs> see, I have an addictive uh, propensity. propensity. And so I am either- your child. A what? I am your child. Yeah, you are. <laughs> so my addictive, you know, well, if you listen to my story at all, you know, I was an alcoholic at 21. So I have propensities towards addiction. So I learned if I'm going to break free from certain things, I can't, I can't go 
have a glass of wine. I'll yeah. never do that. Mm-hmm. And it's not like I'm being critical who of people who have a glass of wine or whatever. It's just I can't go there. I yeah. just can't do that. Um, so... If, if, well, I know that I had that addictive personality, so I really said no to coffee for 40 years. <laughs> and now I'm thinking, wow, I was missing out. Yeah, yeah, I was addicted to coffee. I, I'm Now I'm on two cups a day. I stop at two cups a day. But, you know, that's... How big are those cups? Um, 12 Like 7-Eleven Slurpee? No, 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 not those. Uh, but it's, it's like two... To reward ourselves with a thing we're trying to break free from is really counterproductive. Know, it is, and 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 so, I mean that that's. But I know me. Some people aren't aren't like that. That they can walk in maybe greater levels of balance of breaking through free into one thing and still holding on to some of the old. I'm not really good at that. Well, this went back to a question that I had with this question is, are you, do you feel stuck internally or externally? Oh, that's a good one. So I think that might be a good thing to kind of look at. Is this something that I'm battling inside or is this like literally like well, I'm not saying that you're trapped or like uh, <laughs> yeah. like in a hostage situation or anything. From your hostage situation, you texted life exchange a question, you know, kind of thing. No. So you have to look and say, is this internal or external? And sometimes the internal things are much harder because it takes a whole lot more risk because they're and in hidden. life it's probably a little bit of both. Yeah. Yeah. I think if it's internal, it's gonna be it's gonna reflect in the external. Yeah. If it's the, if it's external and it's not internal, I feel like you could get out of it a lot faster because yeah. you're just going to make that choice and change. Yeah. But back to what you were saying, I do think that consistency is just really important. And back to um, talking with someone and actually listening, I think that's a really valuable piece there is that if you listen to them, you hear the words, but you don't actually change. Or what happens often is I tried that already, mm-hmm. but did you stick with it for a consistent you know, a period of time because that it, you actually physically need that repetition to change uh, a habit structure or a, a behavior structure. So um, this is just a funny thing. It was last New Year's Eve. I was um, I was at a party and everyone at this party was younger than me and it struck midnight and everybody's, woo, happy New Year. And I said, guys, guess what? I made it a whole year. I flossed every day. And these young, sweet 20-somethings looked at me like, how old are you? (laughs) 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 That is what you're proud of on New Year's, that you flossed every day. To me, that was a big deal because (laughs) I had conquered. Uh, It was a habit that I had changed for the good. But that to say, it takes every day doing the same thing. And I'm kind of like you in that that extreme like addictive propensity. And so if I am trying to develop a habit and I cannot listen to an excuse, otherwise I will not break the habit. Right. So you have to kind of silence those excuses and just do it every day. <laughs> do it consistently. And that that's neuroscience as well. Yeah. You do something for 21 days, it becomes yeah. a, a mental habit. That's the internal 
breaking free of it. After 64 days, then it becomes a whole new automatic pattern of thought. And so once you step into that, then I think you have a little bit more um, uh, flexibility. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like we went on vacation. I didn't have, amazingly, I did not have any problem letting go of everything at home, you know? And um, I thought you were going to say, I I didn't have any problem eating that whole chocolate cake. No, no, I didn't eat any chocolate (laughs) cake. (laughs) I don't think I, oh no, we went out to a restaurant. That was a stretch for me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, just eating at a restaurant because I thought this stuff is not organic. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I love going out to a restaurant with my mother. Oh yeah. She orders. She's the worst. Can I have this? And then just reorders the whole thing. I want this, but let me change it completely. Can I get the peach glaze chicken without the peach glaze? And could you put it on beef? (laughs) So I just go hide when she orders. I got to go to the bathroom right now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was able to let, <laughs> She's like, that's, uh, who I yeah, am. Yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> she can't deny and it. so, um, I don't deny it, but the, I, I was able to let it go because yeah. I've developed such a pattern of lifestyle that when I came back, it instantly, it was there, Yeah. but I didn't walk away from it for a month or two or whatever. And, uh, now, I must admit, every day I check to make sure things I scheduled got on and they didn't. So I don't know what's wrong with that scheduling thing. So I thought, oh, well, I guess that's the way it is. There's nothing I can do about it. And I don't want to do anything about it. I'm on vacation. So, um, yeah, it was. So once it becomes. So the cure for being stuck is going on vacation. Ooh, I'm here for that. My wife listens to this <laughs> and she is going to be very. She's going to use that against you. Yeah, that's good. And she'll say, (laughs) Mem actually said going on vacation got me unstuck. Okay, let's plan another one. She's like, I feel stuck all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Stuck in Pennsylvania (laughs) where there's no ocean. And and she does know how to do a vacation. I mean, she, she, she does, you know, yeah. But that break in routine, don't they even say when you're dieting and you're losing weight consistently and then you hit a plateau, um, they kind of say, well, eat something that you're not used to eating just to break the routine because mm-hmm. it'll help you get out of that stuck place. Mm-hmm. So just do something. I do that every day. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I got to be careful. Then you're with not that. breaking the routine. You just have a routine. <laughs> Joel, I don't see you that way. Do you. When when you set your mind to something, you do it. Your mother sees you as well. Perfect. Like every day, yeah. every day it starts out with. And I might have said this before. Today I'm going to fast, and then halfway through the day, today I'm going to eat keto. <laughs> By the time I get home, it's like, what is there to eat? <laughs> and Twinkies, it is. <laughs> no, we don't allow those in our house. <laughs> there, there is, there is a real thing. I. Th- see it more with men than women and I hate to stereotype so forgive me if I have but this hangry thing oh yeah oh my gosh oh, I know some females that Do can you? get pretty hangry oh my gosh it's like it's three o'clock I haven't eaten and my whole world's falling apart and I go okay we eat at five who cares you know I mean it's like 
Well, you can go all day without eating. <laughs> yeah, I so. can. It's like I don't think, and, and not that I'm not hungry. It's just that there's more important things to do than eat. You and, intermittent fasting fasted before there was such a thing. As I, guess so. I accidentally fast. Sometimes. <laughs> well, I don't know if I intermittent fast because a cup of coffee doesn't count. So I don't well, know if, if you, you're drinking if you it black. Drink it black Oh, which no, I don't drink don't. it black. How, how much of a purist are you? I remember talking with someone. Uh, they were fasting and they were doing um, a dry fast or something like that. And then I was, I said, yeah, I read somewhere. And this this is a type of person that is very like black and white, has to do it like the right way. I said, yeah, there's some people out there uh, that won't even take showers because water gets in your, like <laughs> in, through your skin. And they're like, oh my word, don't tell me that. <laughs> oh, jeez. I was like, whoa, you're real serious about this. <laughs> the Lord still loves okay, you. Okay, so what was this question <laughs> that we got? I feel stuck. Oh, yeah. Can you give me some practical tips for breaking free? <laughs> We got, stuck on the, we got stuck on the consistent one. Huh? My sister, you said about quicksand. My sister used to said the biggest fear that you ever face in your life is when you're little and your mom is putting like a sweater on you and you can't get your head out of the the top. Yeah. That like that panic that you have that like, I, okay, I live in this sweater now. I can't ever get my head out. We have very different They're looking at me apparently. like, why are you? <laughs> <laughs> like a turtleneck. If you ever get your head stuck in a turtleneck. It's panicky. I feel very claustrophobic. Mm. All right, Never moving across on. my mind. <laughs> <laughs> They're looking at me like, why did you just derail everything? <laughs> and someone goes, that that was me. They're like, she sees me. She knows. <laughs> You're gonna be okay. I think this this is a comedic relief episode. <laughs> Except for the first question. After that, it became... Well, I had one more very serious response <laughs> to this question about feeling stuck. Um, and it asked for practical... Go ahead, bring us down. Thank you. Okay, I will. No, it asked for practical. And to me, this might not sound practical, but it is. Um, and it's just prioritize time with the father. Mm. Um, because I think for all the self-help that we talk about... Uh, he can help you do more than you on your own can ever do. And so I think just making that a non-negotiable, that you set aside time um, to pray, to commune with the Father, to read his word, read the Proverbs. Um, the, there's these books, read James, full of wisdom that he's given to us. Um, and I think just being in his presence just every day um, can do so much more than what any tool, any practical um, piece of advice we could give. So what you're saying is if you hear his voice and you follow it, that will get you unstuck? Imagine that. Mm. (laughs) That's the power of the Holy Spirit's grace, which is his ability. So it's not just doing it by our own strength or our own personality or our own skill set. It's by his supernatural grace. Yeah. Yep. I think... I think we experience that a whole lot more than we realize. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even more when we make it a priority. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I silenced the jokers. <laughs> well, if you find yourself in I'm quicksand. I'm not the joker. It's in the- <laughs> <laughs> If you find yourself in quicksand. If you, if you find, find yourself, yourself in, in 1983. Quicksand, yeah. Grab onto something that is secure and hope that a friend is around that they can help pull you out. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. There There you you have it. 
We've done it. We solved the world's problems. We did. <laughs> All right. Well, if you have any problems you'd like us to solve, <laughs> <laughs> send them on in. Uh, either direct message us on Instagram at Giving Light IG, or you can email us at lifeexchangepodcast at gmail.com. All right. We'll talk and to if you next And if you have a pop culture question, feel free to... If you want to send, correct me and all the things I say. If you want us to butcher your, you know, question, question we can do that. <laughs> we'll let mom answer it. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, I feel so valued on this episode it's about like a, value. Well, your we adventure. all have strengths and weaknesses. <laughs> That's right. I'm not really sensitive, so <laughs> I can handle it. All right. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening to Life Exchange. We'll be back next week with more conversation on topics of life and leadership. Until next time, be sure to check out our website at givinglight.org, where you can learn more about our church and access loads of resources to help you grow in your walk with God and people. If you like what you heard today, we'd be grateful if you leave a five-star review and share with your friends. Be blessed. Remember to shine your light and have a great week. Thank you.